Welcome to episode 18 of Jedi Fun Time, the only Star Wars podcast with its own crew of bounty hunters. That's I am one of your hosts, Johnny. And I'm Jimmy. And I'm Samantha. Filling in once again. For filling in for our friend Brian, who's a little busy right now. Sure is. He's good, though. It's okay. He'll come back. Um, this is our back, back-to-back weekends as far as uh, it is. Is uh, podcasting here. It's kind of uh, first time a in like a, First time in like a year. Yeah. We, we, Nice, I like this. We're on a roll. So uh, here today we have uh, our special guest. Um, we're finally able to get a hold of him. I, I know he's very busy, and we finally were able to find some time that we were all available and we all could sit down and talk, talk about his um, his accomplishments and uh, what he did on the set of Star Wars and numerous other movies. Uh, his name is Bill Hargraves, and uh, he's out of the UK. And uh, what he's known for the most is the fact that he created and built IG-88, which one of the notorious bounty hunters uh, in the Empire Strikes yep. Back's galaxy, and still alive today, hopefully, that he will be making, uh, making an IG-88? appearance again. Yeah, yeah so hopefully. I'm, I'm hoping maybe episode 8, because remember I called it back then that we're going to see Billy D. Williams again and uh, as Lando, and I said, well, if we if we see Lando, we definitely got to see uh, Neem Num, which we already have in episode 7. Do you, do you think Lando's going to show up uh, with a Han Solo mask on and be going, I'm home, <laughs> like in that, that, that internet meme, and then take it off, and it's like, too soon? <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> so, so when we see Lando, you never know. The return of the bounty hunters might happen. We might see IG-88 once again. That would be pretty badass, wouldn't it? It would be. So, um, but not only he did IG-88, he also uh, did numerous other things that you might not even were aware of. Um, other things he did, um, he did the uh, FX-7 medical droid, which was uh, used in the Empire. Yep. I believe it was on Bespin. Um, it was in Bespin, or was the one scene with uh, Luke in the uh, back to tank? Maybe it was in the, it was in that one. Um, also, he did the uh, probe droid, which was uh, on Hoth. Uh, that uh, Han and Chewie blew up before then alerted the Empire to come on down and. Rain I think ha- he already alerted the Empire before <laughs> they shot and blew it up. <laughs> that confirmed things, right? Um, other things he did, he did the. Let's see, uh, he built. Uh, the E webcam cannons, which was used on the uh, the, the Hoth base, yeah, um, with the the battle with Hoth. Uh, what else was there? There was um, uh, what else? Yeah, numerous things. Stuff. More than more than, more than you can even. Yeah, I mean, I was say, just, I, mean, I was just thinking strictly Empire. Empire. He did the Tauntauns. He talked about that. Um, or he will talk about. He that. will talk about. Well, you hear about it. We we've done the interview already. So yeah, so we're just going back on this. So. Just, yeah. Filling you in on who, what the episode's going to be about, so you just don't hear somebody talking and go, who's this? Right. So let's stay on Empire. Besides, yeah, he did the Tauntaun. Um, yep. It's uh, a very interesting story about that. that. That was really cool. And uh, the uh, AT-ATs, which people call AT-ATs, which I don't know why they do, but it's uh, AT-ATs, which uh, stand for what, John? Uh, you told me. All-terrain, <laughs> all-terrain armored transport. Armored transport. So. Well, they say, you know, everyone always says at-at, and right. I, um, some of my friends that do another podcast over in the UK, I was listening to them, and they said, they said AT-AT, and he goes, because you don't say at-st. You can't say A-T-S, you can't pronounce S-T in the other one. I'm like, oh, that's a very good point. Right. <laughs> you really can't. Right. Especially when it's plural, when there's more, usually more than one shot when you see yeah. them, so. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's just, uh, what he was, he was a prop prop designer and uh he was in very charge in, yep, in charge of set designs and building and everything so very cool once you hear him it's uh it's got a lot to say a lot of insight on uh being on the sets of both empire strikes back and um return of jedi and he will also talk about some other movies that he he was in yep. uh, i wish we could have had more time and he would list was gone and on you could talk as to as him as, for hours as far as I mean, his, yeah this was a long did. episode on our on right. our for us as it is but you could you could seriously talk, sit down with him and talk for a night, right? And probably just 
hit the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the stories, the things he's done. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's unreal. I was blown away with the uh, prop that he made in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which <laughs> I don't even remember. I have to go back now and see it. And, and it's one like, of his favorites. And then I'm be like, <laughs> it's his favorite. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that. When he said it, he's like, you guys probably don't even know what time. And we're like, no, we don't. <laughs> but it was his favorite one, right? So, so yeah. So without further ado, we're sounding fancy now. Uh, and we are. We are. Throwing around those we're, $10. We're, throwing, on, we're drinking our fancy beer. We're, we're, we're throwing around those $10 words. Uh, so without further ado, here is our interview with Bill Hargraves. Great. All right. Hey, Bill, let me introduce you to the people that you're talking to here. The female voice you're hearing is Samantha. She's, she joins us on our podcast occasionally, probably more than uh, more than ever these days. But uh, yeah, she's going to be joining us. And then Johnny is the other voice. How's it going, Bill? Nice to meet you. Yeah. Hello, Johnny. Yeah, great. Hello, Samantha. Hello. <laughs> She sounded a bit English there, didn't she, when she said that? Quite English, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she pulled it off quite well. And then, of course, I'm, I'm Jimmy. So uh, um, it was, It's a pleasure to finally talk to you. I've been hearing all these good things about you uh, through mutual friends that know you over there back over in the UK, uh, the cons that you go to. Um, I'm sure you know who Dave Oberry is. I, I, I yeah. see pictures of you with him a lot. So he, he's uh, very well known over here, I'm sure, as yeah. he is over, over there by you. So. So we are, we have a lot of uh, mutual friends online. So I was just I was always uh, interested in the on the things. We finally get to meet the person who actually created all these uh, all these um, props and vehicles and stuff that was never really you know brought up. You almost kind of like you got like the back seat with that. You know you, not, you didn't get much credit. And when a lot of people and fans, as you as you know, you know we're always we're just dying to know who, who you know who made this stuff up. And so well, yeah, it was always great to know find out who the person was and. And yeah, here you it are. Was, it was quite busy then. It was, um, you know, when you look back on it, you think, God, that was quite a lot of stuff. But at the time, you you, you didn't think about it because people say, can you do this? You go, yeah, yeah, when do you need it? Well, I need it tomorrow. You go, oh, right, okay. Right. So you'd work late into the night, get it done, it'd be on set, and you sort of forgot about it then. That right. Was, it's it's kind of it's kind of like the same with the actors we interviewed, too. It's the same thing. It's like... Back then, to them, it was a job. It was like it, it put oh, food yeah. on the table, and we, you know, it was steady work, and we loved it. They had no idea that thirty years later, we're like these guys are still talking about this movie that I did back when yeah. I was, you know, I, I was a young chap back in the day. So, well, yeah, it's uh, you know, people say to me, oh, "But you must have known you was working on something great, and it was going to be fantastic." And I said, "Well, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it was a job." Right. Right. You, know, you know, I say to people, "What was you doing thirty years ago?" And they go. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you're right. You don't know, <laughs> but you, as you're talking to people, you remember things. Right. So it's, um, I've just sort of started talking to um, a guy called Harold Fryer, who was a carpenter. Okay. Uh, I haven't spoken to him for twenty years, I suppose, twenty-five years, perhaps. And we've just started talking again, and we've talked about the old days, and you know, he's he's seventy-seven now in a home, uh, and he said. You haven't changed," he said. "You're just the same as you was." I said, "Yeah, unfortunately, I am. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> nothing's changed in life. It's uh, I live in the same house. You know, the family's got older, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. everything's just the same. I just find everything so funny. I right. think it's all great to do. It's yeah, time just goes by, you know. Yeah, but it's at the time, you know, people say it's a really important job you're doing. You know, and I said, yeah, but I'm too young to realise that. So I said, it's all just fun to me. I was only sort of 25 when it was all going on. Oh, wow. You know? So you just did it. It wasn't... Um, the older people tended to worry. Will that be right for everybody? Will that be wrong? How's this going to work? I just did it. I just thought, oh, that'll be fine. Let's get it on the set and shoot on it. And mm-hmm. 
So it was good. It made life very easy and fun. Yeah, right, fun. I think part of the reason it, it survived so long and people say these things to you about how you know fantastic it is is because to this day, everything you guys made in those movies pretty much holds up and looks as good as any CGI or anything now. Burn stuff, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Some of the stuff, because then it was all. Um, there used to be a thing then that people say it's all smoke and mirrors, and then it was. It was smoke, mirrors, and pieces of string. You had to move something. You had to pull a bit of wire or pull a bit of string. The special effects were starting to get into things with with um, radio control and things like that. But radio control in those days was not reliable because with the studio. Um, walkie-talkies, you might be using certain remote control and somebody would be on your wave band. So every time they pushed the button to talk to somebody, an arm would move. Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really, yeah, it was it was not good. So I worked on the thing, you know, of pull a bit of wire, you know it's moved. If it doesn't move, the wire's broke. You put another bit of wire on. Mm-hmm. So it made life sort of simple, really. <laughs> it, there wasn't so much you could go wrong. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll start from here, but it's like, where do you start? Because just just seeing other other than Star Wars, which we'll get to, of course, um, just all the other movies that you've been in, it's just it's been it's just a long list. It's it's amazing. I didn't even I had no idea. I mean, ones off the top of my head, it, it, we can go with. Uh, I just found out just today uh, you were in, you did work in Gladiator, and yeah. uh, I did yeah. hear I did hear your Aliens because the sci fi thing, of course. Sure. I also yeah. know I also just found out today that you were in the movie Legend. Or you did work yeah. on blood on the set of Legend, which has Tom Cruise in it and Tim Curry. So that was another movie that was was I remember to this day how that movie was, and I was just like, wow, you just I was just blown by. Like you were actually you were a part of that as well, and yeah, you, yeah, you have yeah, a long list of movies. I'm sure a lot of them were you know um, UK based as well. But as far as the American films, um, those are the ones I thought off the top of my head that uh, you took part of it that you were that you were involved in. Yeah, oh. I was I was very lucky. I, I worked on a lot of really really good films. Yes. And it was it was luck more than judgment. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, things happen. You, right. You're asked to do something. You don't you don't look at it when you're asked. You know, oh, is this going to be a great film or not? You look at it, you think, yeah, I'd like to be involved for that. And then you sort of think, right, I'll get a year's work out of this or six months' work or whatever. So you're, you're thinking about the job really, how long it's going to take you, and the actual film. The, problems on a film become non-existent because you're there, you get a problem and you solve it. You just do it. So, uh, And you have fun doing it, that's the thing. Right. It's, that, it's that's all great fun. That's the important part, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, how did you get started in the in the movie industry? What uh, did you... Um you know, did you? Were, what were your influences as far as what got you into, you know, into movie, into the movies as far as prop building and uh, uh, designing sets and stuff? Did you? Was it someone that you knew that guided you into it, or did you study this uh, in school and moved on from there? And no, I, I never had any thoughts of working on film at all. Um, I was working. I was actually a construction worker, and uh, okay. my brother-in-law was a carpenter in Pinewood, and we, he said, "Your you brother-in-law isn't Harrison Ford, is he?" Sorry, your brother-in-law is in Harrison Ford, is he? No, I had to no, say no. that when you said the carpenter thing. So yeah, no, no, I, I used to have a few giggles with Harrison about his carpentry. Yeah, okay, but uh, oh. no, and he said, "Come in and meet some people." And I, I met Harry Lang, who was um, quite um, involved with the Star Wars people. You can still hear action. And um, my first film I did was Alien with a guy called Dave Jordan, uh, and it just went on from there. I was, I was the the lowest prop maker, like the four prop makers, mm-hmm. 
I was the boy that came in on the tail of it. Okay. And I suppose that what I did was right, because after that I was offered the supervisor on Empire, so I must have done something right, I suppose. Okay, oh, very good. How, so how, it, was, it was luck, really, yeah. how I got into the game. How was it working with uh, Ridley Scott on uh, Aliens? Um, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's great. Yeah, yeah he's, he's actually a very down-to-earth person. Oh. It, my, my prop master, like Dave Jordan, was very good friends with him. Oh, um, cool. So I was in a fortunate position that uh, I got to meet him and work sort of, not closely with him, but he'd ask Dave for things. He'd say, oh, we need a key for the mothership, or we need... And, you know, we'd just come up with it straight away for him. So okay. it's good in that. But, no, I like Ridley Scott. I think he's a good director. And he, he's fun to work with. Well, his movies are, are amazing, so that's why it, yeah. I, was very, uh, I was very fascinated when I found out that, that you uh, were part of Aliens. Did you do any of the sequels at all, or just the original? No. No, I did the first one. And then you moved up to better, bigger and better things, it seems, though. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, I've, worked with him, I've worked with him a few times, um, only because, you know, you happen to be there. You know, you, your name gets put about, and, you know, it's, oh, have you worked with Ridley Scott? But yes, I will come and do his film doing, you know, so you go on to, you go on to films that he's directing. The um, networking becomes very, very important for you. Uh, yeah, it does, yeah. It does. It's. I mean, people used to say to me, how do you go about ringing for films? And I said, well, I never have. I've, I've just been very lucky. People have always mm-hmm. rung me, which is nice. I mean, it's. Um, it means whatever you're doing, you've done right. Yeah. Right, and, yeah. right you know, exactly. There, so that's, that's nice. Right. When it definitely comes to casting, they, they can tell who are the hard workers and who are the ones that are just there to collect a paycheck. Because you can see a lot of the Star Wars actors we interviewed, they seem to be in like the same circuit. They a lot yeah. of them did Superman together. They, a lot of them did um, uh, what Space nineteen ninety nine. A lot of them, you know, kind of went, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the filming that went on. I'm sure over there, which was Pinewood Studios. A lot of the films that were going on there, they just they seemed to find the right jobs and yeah. stick, well, that, stayed with it. That was really it. Really, is the 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 link in the whole chain for anything that goes through England movie wise has been Pinewood Studios. I mean, they've done amazingly great work, and mm-hmm. so many people have worked there and worked on movies yeah. there. I mean, funnily enough, I haven't done an awful lot in Pinewood. Really? <laughs> but you were, you did. Well, but you knew the right guy who knew the guy, which was you. <laughs> they knew all, they all knew a guy. Yeah, that's it. And I used to get quite a lot of phone calls from people saying, how can we do this? And I said, well, I can tell you what I'd do. And, they, you know, so you'd, you'd almost end up in an advisory capacity because the prop masters all talk to each other and they say, oh, we can't fix this ring bill. We'll be able to sort it out. So it was nice. It was you know you, you you get to not advise on films, but people had asked for your advice, which was nice. So you think, oh well, I'm doing the right thing. That's always a nice feeling. It yeah, is. I don't That's get that at work. <laughs> it's, it's just fascinating for me that people are still interested in the old films, which is you know it's fantastic. It's um it's only sort of in the last year or so that I've realised what a big movement there is about the old Star Wars pictures, you know, the New Hope, Empire and Jedi. There's a lot of people that really follow it. They really, you know, rate them as good or fantastic films. Right. On the pack on the podcast here we always talk about how today movies today they're just 
um, shots, uh, special effects. Um, it's all computers. You know, everything's just we'll just we'll p- pile in all the money and the special effects and, and the CGI, and the storyline doesn't. Yeah, we can we can wing that, but as long as we make a, a good a movie that people will just will sit there and we make our money back, they're fine with it. There's to us, I think we like to, we like the classics, we like the originals that they actually you know what went on behind the scenes and stuff that you doesn't really flash out at you. You know, kind of appears like. In Star Wars, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Return of Jedi, everything that's going on behind the main characters is mm-hmm. just like, how was that done? How, how did they pull that off? It's just the little things like that that I think now movies nowadays they kind of overlook that. They're like, oh, we'll just we can just polish it up and just it's, throw you know some some pixels on that and make it look. Well, yeah, it's fit, can we funny. blow up more cars this summer than we did last summer? Right. And it doesn't matter which which hard bodies or pretty faces we we put in next to the blow ups. It matters that we blew up ten more cars this year. Right. Well, and, and yeah, it does. It does seem that way sometimes <laughs> to uh, some of us older filmmakers. You think you don't need all that if you, you know, you can do things real. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than having to rely on computers. It's um, but you know, I appreciate the mechanics behind you know the CGI and things. Um, but for me, I can only do it the old way. I'm not clever enough to use computers. And things. <laughs> I've got to do it the old way. <laughs> I, I think the old way, though, is why so many of the old science fiction movies look and feel real. Like it feels like yeah. there's a world going on, whether it's um, 2001 or the original Star Wars trilogy or Blade Runner or Alien. It yeah. it doesn't look clean. It, it it looks gritty. It looks real life. Where yeah. and I've we've talked about this many times, me and Jimmy. That my issue with the prequels was it looked too clean. Everything looked too neat and shiny. There was no. It didn't no look grit. lived in, no grit. Right. And then to find out that, like, you know, all, all these Republic commandos, that all, there was no costuming. They were, every one of them was CGI. It was one, yeah. and then they were just yeah. duplicated. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that it looked bad, but it didn't... Didn't have the same feel. Yeah, it didn't feel... You could tell it didn't, didn't feel real. Didn't have that same authenticity. Yeah. No, that's right. It's, it's very different factors as well. If they can actually hold something and see something, it's, it's better for them. When they're looking at an orange cross on a green background, it's hard. They've got to, they've got to work harder to imagine what's there. Right. So if you can actually produce it for them and stick it in front of them, it makes their job a little bit easier. So it means they come across better because mm-hmm. they don't have to believe it. They can see it. They know it's there. So that's how we always work then. And all departments pulled together. There wasn't. I mean, there's always this thing about trade unions back then, but mm-hmm. they weren't that strong. We were. We were all help each other. I mean, I, I used to help the painters out. The painters had helped me out. The carpenters had helped. The riggers had helped you. You know, it right. was a nowadays. It was a nice it's, nowadays, it's not family. my job. It's what they <laughs> is what they do. There's yeah. unions for all that right. stuff now, right? Especially, yeah. and you don't want to cross that line. No, it, you don't it, cross Especially the line. here in Chicago, right? Because there was. I, I work on city contracts. Let's just say and. They were putting the the laborers union was putting the Christmas trees up somewhere, and yeah. one of the laborers plugged in the Christmas lights, and one yeah. of the union electricians saw him do that, yeah. and that started uh, that was a big long drawn out battle over who gets to plug in the lights and makes everything yeah. twice as long. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, it's just it's unreal. Right. It's, it's people that are fearful for their jobs. That's what it is. They're frightened of losing their jobs. Right. Yeah. Where I suppose then we were all. Especially the younger members were actually just trying to get on with the job and get it done. Because then you can move on to another job, and that keeps That's your job right. security. 
Yeah. So that's what yeah. people. I think that's what people never realized because of how we talk, how we said how movies are done now. Back then, that's how it was. Like every person we've talked to, Pam and Mike and and now Bill mm-hmm. have all kind of said that that yeah we didn't at the time we didn't really think of it as anything other than I have work for a few weeks or a few months and yeah you know I'm good do do good at this work because you need more work yeah well that, that's it and the thing is I. I I found I couldn't work a day without having a giggle about doing something silly because that's what made the job the job. Right. That's and that's how jobs even today should be. Same thing. If you don't like your job, you're you're, you're miserable and you're going to bring it home with you and you're not going to be good at it. Jimmy's telling you everybody see how to more of each other than you do of your families. Right. So have fun here because otherwise you won't have fun anywhere else because mm-hmm. you'll be too tired. That's true. So enjoy your life while you're doing it because... Uh, you know that it doesn't come back, does it? You only get that hour once, so you might as well have a giggle doing it. Right. And it really, it really seems like back then the right people were always brought together. It, it seems like everyone got along back then to make it enjoyable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good fun. It's I've, I've noticed now. I don't, I don't really work now. Um, age and illness, really. But uh, the last film I did was uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which was another cruise thing out of Leavesden. And it wasn't. It wasn't nice. It was okay. It was. Mm-hmm. I had a good time working on it, but there wasn't the the friendliness. You could pass people in the studio that were working on the same film, and you didn't know they were on the same film. Oh, really? They were just doing their own little bit here and their own little bit there, and you know, people doing suits were locked away in one workshop, and painters were in another one, and there wasn't the camaraderie. But where I was working. Um, we had a couple of the old painters up there and a rigger and, and we all got on like the old days, just helping each other and you know, but down in the the adults camp, the big camp <laughs> they didn't really help each other. No. You know, it's uh, I mean I, I went into wardrobe to show them how to age things down. Because mm-hmm. they had this whole team of people aging things down, but they were all trying to outdo each other. And I said, Look, nobody's wrong. You can't be wrong. If you age a piece of material <laughs> You can't be wrong because right. your aging is is what you would age it to. You can't be wrong, mm-hmm. but they're all trying to outdo each other. And I said, no, 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 just get on with it, just just do it, just and then you can go and have a coffee and have a giggle, can't you? It's um, you've done the job then, right? It's, it's, uh, it sounds like it makes it less enjoyable when you have to worry about that. Yeah, it's so compart- compartmentalized. Hey, I got the word out. That's right. Yeah. Nowadays, it, it, it's just hearing how it how that is. I've heard stories from a couple. I used to know an engineer years ago, and he's like, "Oh, I worked at Area Fifty One before. It's no big deal. It's just a regular place. Except you don't see anyone you work with. You're brought to a room. You're told build this piece and leave. Yeah, and that's kind of how that sounds. It's like, okay, Everything you're here, huh? build this, do this, and go. It's, it is very much like that. Um, I've got friends now that we chat about the old days, and I said, "Yeah, I said, all I remember is the the last we had. Really, it was the the fun we had. It was um, we." Talking about when when Pan cuts the Taunton open mm-hmm. on, I can't remember which one it was now, Empire the or Jedi. The but Empire, Empire, yeah. Empire, yeah. It cuts the Taunton open and all the guts spill out. Well, that was real pig's intestine. Was it? <laughs> to high heaven. Oh, well, Lord, really I can only stunned. imagine. And that's the thing we remember about it. So you the... don't remember about all the, it was cold and, you know, the technicalities. Uh-huh. Just... There was a rig made to pour that out, and in the end, we had to push a special effects guy in behind it 
because he was the thinnest to get in there, mm-hmm. pushed it, and he had to physically push it out with his hands. To, oh, you know, no! You know, <laughs> it's things like that that you remember, and it was all good fun. Um, I operated the Wampa arm when he strikes Luke. Yes. And I had to bring it close into camera. And the operator said, Bill, you've got to get it in closer than that. And I went, OK. <laughs> so I swung it, hit the mat box, pushed the camera back into him, cut his eye. Mm-hmm. He handed the camera over, looked at me, and I said, close enough? He went, that's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, but you just had a laugh. It was just fun. Right. It was, uh, it, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I can't tell you how much fun it was. It was just giggling all the time, right. really. It seems like because you know you're doing you're doing uh, you're doing a movie. You, it could be six months if, if if you don't have to do retakes or anything. It could go almost as long as nine months. It's like almost like a family that you guys are there every day. Yeah. You know, probably at least ten hours a day. I'm sure filming was crazy back then, as it is well, compared yeah. today. Filming, yeah. um, filming. They tried. They they tried to keep control of the hours as best they could, mm-hmm. but because you're building and operating, your day goes a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. And I can. I mean, I can regularly remember leaving home at maybe six o'clock in the morning and getting back ten o'clock at night. Right. Mm-hmm. I was going. I was going to say that the actors had the luxury of leaving early, while you, behind the scenes, had to stay there basically from, from oh, dusk yeah. to dawn. It's the thing. Sometimes you know, you'll you'll wrap a film set. They'll say, "Oh, that's that's the end of filming today." But tomorrow we need that ready. So you might be looking at another eight hours' work after mm-hmm. film. Right. So wow. do it. And the fact is, you you might you'll probably have to get in early to get things on the set and ready. You'd be there the whole shooting day, and then work four or five hours after shooting to make sure the things are ready for the next day. So it became quite long days. And they were quite. God intense. forbid something go wrong that night too. Then you're coming in even even more early. Oh yeah, yeah. There was some. Um, you know, there'd be the odd um, disagreement, shall we say, between <laughs> artists and producers, and where they'd say, "Oh, they're not in tomorrow. We've got to get this set ready." And you go, "Oh, right, okay." It was, uh, you know, you—that's you, what your job was. You were just there to make sure it was all running smoothly. So, if it meant working late, you had to work late. You didn't really, you couldn't. It wasn't a job where you could say, "Well, I'm going to finish at six because I've got something else to do. You have to say, well, I'll finish when the job's done. When you can. Yeah. Right, right. You'll from there. Which I'm sure had to take a toll on the family because you're in that oh, in that industry, it. it's like, I can't give you a time when I'm going to go home because I have no idea when I'm going to go home. Uh-huh. No, you, you never did. Yeah. And, of course, there was the, the bad films where you'd be working and all of a sudden they'd say, it's wrapped, the film's gone. And you might have worked for two or three weeks for nothing. You know, and then uh, suddenly there's no film. That's that's actually worse than working hard and getting paid, mm-hmm. because Ooh. you've worked hard and not got paid, and that's not pleasant. I was very lucky. It's never really happened to me mm-hmm. where I've never got paid, but I've been owed money for a while and oh. had to get it. But uh, so that's where the camaraderie came in, because um, you were also friends with the production. So if there was a problem, they'd let you know. They'd say, look. We're not going to get the money for this one. This is not going to go. So at least you, you were forewarned. You, you could sort your life out a bit. If you had another film, you'd say, "Well, I'm going to jump onto that." And, you wow. know, that's where the, the family of people came in. That you all looked after each other. Right. And I'm, I'm still in contact with the production secretary from, well, from New Hope, uh, Empire, and Jedi. Pat Carr. I still talk to her occasionally. Um, we talk about the old days. It's um, it's nice. It's, right. Uh, right. Uh, 
it was it was a it was a nicer industry. I can't I can't tell you what it was like in the states because I never worked in the states. But our industry here was was a nicer industry. Um, they'd do they'd do nice things like the production secretary when you filled in your your start form, mm-hmm. they'd take your wife's birth date, and she'd make sure she'd got a bunch of flowers on that day. Oh wow! Oh. In case you were busy and you had forgotten, or yeah, you didn't. Uh, so I'm sure the production secretary saved a lot of marriages. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that was just a, a, a right. nice thing. The little things uh, like that, which I'm sure they don't did do that here in, in the US. It doesn't happen now. No, no it doesn't happen now. It definitely um, doesn't happen was, now. Sorry, if you was working abroad, as soon as you reached the production office abroad, there was a room that you'd go in and make a phone call home to let them know you were safe. And now that doesn't happen. You know, I know you, it, you've got mobile phones now, right, so it's, it's a lot easier easy. to keep contact, but. It was just those little niceties that, where the producer or the production company been nice to you, you did more things for them. Mm-hmm. You, both, you know, you'd work harder for them. That's true. I think here the industry has always been more. Uh, it depends who you're working for. Yeah. I think there are some producers and right. some productions that are aren't bad, but mm. then there are the ones that I've heard have been nightmares. So, right. <laughs> at least over there it was consistent. You know, back then. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say out of I can, I could in my time in the industry, I could probably only name two, maybe three films where I thought the production was bad and they didn't look after it. So that's that's not bad going. No, not that's at all. Sort of over forty years, so uh, no, that's a pretty the rest good. Of them you'd say were fantastic. They'd all looked after it. Right, you've been but, lucky. Yeah. But yeah, now um, there's more there's more pressure on time. Because the quicker they can shoot, the less studio they pay for, right. the, the less camera time they pay for. So they're pushing all the time now to try and get costs down. The more sequels um, they can make. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the quality is I, suffering I, for that. Well, I, I mean, I found in some of the TV things that I did that were sequel, you, a series, you'd do series one and earn X amount. On series two, they wanted to pay you less. Because they say, "Oh, but you know what you're doing now." You go, "No, same line of work, but less pay because more experience, so you'll have to pay me more." Right? (laughs) They couldn't see that. They thought, you know, they could actually cut the price down each episode, and of course, eventually, that becomes where the jobs aren't worth doing anymore, and that's a shame because that sort of spoils it. You know, it's um, all people that are working. You you hope you make a good film or a good TV series. But you are there to earn a living as well, right? You know, and that's um, that sometimes gets forgot that uh, people don't. I don't know with the American people, but English people find it a bit um, impolite to discuss money. But it is important. You've got to buy. You've got to work hard, but you've got to earn enough money oh, absolutely. to make up for the time you miss with your family. Yep, time is money, and yeah, you pay you for and what you're worth exactly. I was asked by a producer once, how much do you think you're worth an hour? And I said, you can't afford it. <laughs> I said, because that hour is your hour. You can't ever get it back. Right. So you can't buy it. It's not, you know, you'd never have enough money. So I said, you've just got to hope that we're all working and we'll work for you. I said, because you could never pay what an hour's worth. You know, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing, really. It's, and that... That used to get made up for by the production being extra nice to you. They'd know you were working hard, they'd know you were earning a decent amount of money, 
but they'd do the nice things for you. They'd make sure you'd got your food on time mm -hmm. and that you was looked after and, you know, it was nice and that's sort of been forgotten now. And right. I suppose that, you know, that's not only a film industry, I'm sure that's across the whole world, it's, it's changed. Money's become more important than it was. Than the quality. Right. Like Samantha said, exactly. The quality is definitely missing from from what you know, movies were made back then. And it's just, they have, you know, these, these uh, films, they have budgets and all this stuff, and they can only spend so much on certain things. So they, if they can cut corners and have people volunteers just for, you know, film credits, they, they, they do that, so, which is unfortunate. But that's, I guess this is how society is, right? Well, yeah, I think the whole society's changed. Um, I can remember, I'm desperately trying to remember the name of the director, but it was a um, a Matlock series. Which Matlock is, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now, but it was an American detective. Oh, it was, uh, he was played by the guy that played um, Andy Griffith. I think he played Matlock, didn't he? Yeah, Andy Griffith. And, okay, Andy yes. Griffith, uh, yeah. They came over here to do a couple of series, an American director, and he was so harassed by money that they were saying, you've got to do this, you've got to cut that, you've got to do this. And I made him, got him a T-shirt made, mm. and it said, sod up, shoot the budget. <laughs> and that, he said, you're right, that's what it is. I said, yeah, they, they don't want quality, they want the budget job. Mm -hmm. You've yep. got X amount of pounds to shoot that day, you get what you're given for that money. Mm -hmm. And it almost seemed like it, that was the start of the the split between production and the construction side, if you like, that yeah. became a bit them and us. Mm -hmm. And that was a shame. Yeah, that was a shame. Cause, they, uh, they figured they need to cut somewhere, right? So they cut in your department, basically. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I, I, I did a little while on Captain Corelli's mandolin. Um, and I got bit by a spider, so I had to come home. That was the end of that, my film. Wow. Um, <laughs> but on that, <laughs> the artists were earning so much of the budget because they wouldn't do it any cheaper. And I said to the producer, I said, really, instead of hitting your 60 crew, you should speak to one of the artists and ask them to take 4% less. And that, that would cover all the budget for mm -hmm. the rest of that picture. And he said, you know, trouble is there's agents involved, we can't do that. Yeah. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, somebody needs to get hold of it. There's no point paying an artist 20 million if you can't get the right crew, because the film would be shit. Right. You, you, you know, you'll have a you'll have a rubbish picture. Right. And yeah. you know, he, he basically said, "My hands are tied. I can't ask the artist to work for less money." You know, and and I can sort of remember years ago when budgets were tight, some of the artists, more on more on films, would pay for the crew's breakfast or lunch or whatever. They'd put money back into the film that went directly to the crew. So consequently, you don't argue over an extra hour, or because you think, well, I'm happy. I've got a full belly. Right. Um, you know, I'm you're, warm. Let's get on with it. You're being appreciated. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the little niceties. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. You could do with not earning a hundred pounds. If somebody takes a pound off you, you're really cross. You know that it's it becomes a bit abusive then. But the old productions used to really look after you. They understood the, the psychology, if you like, of looking after your crew. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, there, at one point years ago, it was the producers or executive producers versus the studios. And now yeah. it seems like it's everyone against each other. Not yeah, just, it, you know. It is more, 
it is more that now. It, it's like the producer now is caught. He's got to, he's got to fight the studio to get it cheaper. He's got to fight his crew to get them cheaper. They yeah. cut down on the silly things. I mean, there's a couple of, of producers that, well, I won't work for them, or I wouldn't work for them, that yeah. said, I'm not providing meals. And I said, don't provide meals then. But then you must provide the time for us to go and buy our own meals. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know, because I said, it's no good saying bring sandwiches, because you're asking us to work a 16-hour day mm-hmm. with a sandwich. I said, that doesn't work. Right. right. You know, so I, I used to say, no, I, I, it's better I don't do your production. Because I know I'm not going to be happy from the day I start, so there's no point in doing it. Exactly. It's, and really, you know, if you're not happy, how's the quality of your work, even? Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you cut corners. You go, well, I can't be bothered with that. Yeah. And that's, that's no way to be. That's soul-destroying. That's what you that's see... The, t- sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I'll wait for you. That's... Oh, I, I, I was just going to say, pretty much that's what you see today. The movies that you talk to people or hear from people saying they had fun making are usually the movies that are much more enjoyable to watch. But a yeah. lot of these movies that have all this big money and big budget that just fizzle, a lot of it you find out later on, no one had fun working on the set, no. it was real restrictive. No, that's right. And yeah. it shows in the film. Yeah. It's, it, it's the thing you can work on a comedy... If the crew's not happy, for some reason, that comedy doesn't come across. Mm-hmm. It becomes a false comedy. They, they're, they're giving lines, but they're not happy doing it. It's when everybody's having fun. a laugh, it comes across. Yeah. You know, it's um, an old work colleague of mine, Billy Connolly. He would always have time to stop and have a chat and a laugh before he worked, before he went on set. And he used to say, no, it's important to be relaxed because if you're, if you're performing in front of friends, it's a lot easier than performing in front of blank faces. You know, and so, I mean, I used to have a few laughs with him. He used to have quite a good time messing about on sets before he went on. And he said it, it helped because it relaxed him. You know, and you think there's somebody like Billy Connolly, he must be very relaxed. But no, he's the same as any actor. They're yeah. nervous when they go on. I was going to say, Billy Con- Connolly, the actor and comedian. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. When you said the name, I'm like, I, I know who Billy Connolly is. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah no, well, funnily enough, he used to live not far from where I live here. Um, he's now out in the States, I believe. He lives out there now. Oh, okay. Um, and, of course, he's not well now. He's, um, I think, Gi- it's Parkinson's he's got. Or, Johnny's going to look him up right now to see where he's at. No, I'm not going <laughs> to look up his address. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, not that far. <laughs> but, um, so. yeah, it, it, he would always, he got more time for for the crew he, he used to say if you've got a good crew oh, the jobs okay. are easy and I said no I quite agree there and he used to we used to gravitate towards each other because I was always mucking about I'd always find something silly to do to, and it just broke the ice it made you know if you're tired at night and everybody's miserable it all grinds to a halt it stops but if people are messing about and having fun you sort of just go with it you think oh I'm not really working I'm having a giggle I'm out with my mates you yeah. know, so to me, humour on sets is very important. Right. So, yeah. With with that said, though, how do you? What was your? What's your opinion as far as um, being on the set as far as a movie compared to a TV show? Now, when you say that with a movie, you're you you are with your your castmates a lot longer, and uh, you know everyone else. As opposed to a TV series, it's shorter. So, yeah. which one did you actually prefer? But at least you know with, with the TV series, you knew more of a time frame 
of when you're going to uh, be done with it compared to a movie which you might not know. I mean, personally, I, I used to enjoy film better because I like to settle down and know where I am and know I'm going to be here for a few months and, you know, um, you sort of get used to your environment you, so you're happy where you are. You're used to, you know how long it's going to take you to get to work, you know how long it's going to take you to get home, you know where all the the eating places are, you know where all the toilets are, you know, <laughs> you can settle down, you're, you're comfortable. Um, some TV things are a little bit crash-bang wallop, you have to get in and just get on with it quite quickly. Um, I mean, I was very lucky, I, I, did a, I did a couple of long TV series, one was a, a series called Soldier Soldier, which uh, was basically about our army and different things going on within the army. Um, probably actors that you, you haven't heard on Robson Green and Jerome Flynn um, no, but you got to know right. them as friends because so, you was there longer okay. um, I did a medical series which was only really shown here I don't know if you've ever seen it in the States called Bramwell which was a Victorian medical drama and that was wonderful to work on because you you knew everybody as friends because it was quite a small cast and quite a small crew so you all very much friends. You, all, you know, we get the answers saying, "Oh, is it your wife's birthday?" Yes, it is. All oh, right. Oh, we'll, give, we'll do a card for her and things like that. So it's quite nice to do that. But some TV series are a little bit shot in maybe three weeks, okay. so you don't get a oh. chance to know anybody really. Right. They should be shot in six weeks, but they think they can cram it into three. <laughs> so everybody has to rush and tear, and you hardly get a chance to to speak. And right. it. it so, it does show. Right. So it's almost the opposite of what I, what I asked you because of the fact that you would think in a small TV series, it's a small production with, with less less people, that you would know each other better. But it seems like in a movie, you got it's, it, it was the opposite. In a movie, you actually became more of a family and you guys yeah, knew no, each other. Yeah, got to know each other a lot better. I, I mean, when, when I did Empire, I was on it for 13 months. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, <laughs> you might have seen two birthdays with somebody. Yeah. You know, so you got to know people, and there was things like Christmas. You'd have a hiatus over Christmas, but yeah. people would say, "Oh, you doing anything for Christmas?" No, no. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. If you're about, we're going to have a party. At so, and you, so it was all just like a big family. It mm-hmm. was all. It was nice. Yeah, it was. It was good. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I can't think of any film I've worked on where I haven't had that. It's. I so I've just been lucky. I've managed to do some nice long good films that's great I think you know, so. and in the list that we've seen it's it's they're they're timeless they're gonna they're, people are gonna be talking about these you know the next generations to come well for sure yeah this thing I mean from if I was people would come to ask me about Star Wars or about the you know Empire and Jedi and I was talking to them and I said <laughs> well, I didn't work on a lot of good films but <laughs> I said I've just had I was lucky that the films I worked on all seemed to hit the right market at the right time. I mean, as in Raiders, and then I, I did American Werewolf in London at the mm-hmm. same time. And that was almost a filler in between Empire and Jedi. It was that sort of, you know, you fit that in. And that's become quite a, a talked-over picture over here. I don't know if you if you like it in the States or not, but... Which one, American Werewolf? Here, a lot of people oh. like it. American that's Werewolf the, or Raiders? Oh, yeah, Raiders. 
I did Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. I also did American Werewolf in London. Yeah, yeah. no, there are, both, there are people movies, who like that one. Both yeah. movies are very fun. Sorry about that, Jimmy, and oh, whoever else right. heard that. I don't, yeah, I don't know if you heard that noise or not. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah that's supposed to be uh, muted, so that's nice that that works. Yeah. <laughs> that, there's the, tec- the problem with technology you were talking about. Right. Well, that's it, yeah. It's, <laughs> like I said, it's a bit of string breaks. You can tie a knot in it. You can still keep pulling that arm or whatever, but... Uh, if you're pressing the button, it don't work. <laughs> it <laughs> don't work. No, obviously. Well, the good thing, the good thing with editing, we get to edit that part out. So that's <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. My ear's still ringing, but that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Before we before we get more into those movies that we just talked about, I just wanted to uh, uh, at, you know get more about you as far as we I'm curious to know about your influences uh, growing up that gave the ideas to make these like original creatures and props and sets that was on Star Wars and other movies that you did. Like growing up, did you, you watch a lot of sci-fi and just got ideas, or was there other like TV shows that you watched? You know, if I'm honest, I didn't watch a lot of film or or TV when I was growing up. So I this, was more yeah. go out and play in the mud sort of boy, and okay. you know, build things, and I used to like building camps and you know things like that. So I was, I would say, I wasn't really influenced by anybody in oh. in that sense. Um, I did watch, I mean, I suppose horror films have a, a bit of an effect on young people. Mm-hmm. So with, with like building IGATA, I knew I needed, I wanted to build it big. I wanted it tall because it's this thing of foreboding, something looking over you mm-hmm. rather than looking at you. Um, but uh, I, no, I didn't have a lot of influences. It was... Um, all scratch built, all at the top of your head. Huh? Imagination. Yeah, just being a bit crazy, really. Okay. Um, just you know, it was it was that thing of. I mean, it's a silly thing that people say that technically a bumblebee can't fly, but nobody's told the bumblebee so it flies anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's that it was that sort of thing. Well, nobody told me I can't do it, so I'll do it. Mm-hmm. See what happens. And when you're creating stuff that doesn't have a prior blueprint, I mean. You pretty much go yeah. with what you feel it should look like. Yeah, that's it. Well, there was a, a bit of a discussion because Ralph McQuarrie did a couple of drawings for the first for a New Hope, mm-hmm. and he did some. Well, he did stuff for Empire and Jedi, I believe. And I was asked, "Oh, didn't Ralph design IG eighty eight? And I said, "No, it's nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It was purely built on." bits that I found when I went out to a scrapyard, an, air, an aircraft scrapyard, and people said, oh, but the head was used in the cantina. I was just going to say that, yes. New Hope. Right. But those heads weren't. They were sent back and scrapped. There was nothing, or very little kept from the first one. Okay. Because nobody really knew how, how good it was going to be. Right. So that, <laughs> that was pure coincidence then. So it, it yeah. wasn't you watching Star Wars, the original Star Wars, right. and going, you know what? I'm just going to use that head that we used in a cantina scene. You just found it out in the back lots. I, I'd never seen Star Wars it together. when I started on Empire. Interesting, really. Oh, wow. I'd never seen it. I, I went to a place, and the name was Cowley's. They were in a place called Hayes in London, and they used okay. to scrap a lot of the aircraft from Heathrow. Mm-hmm. And that head was I was told was part of an afterburner for a jet engine, and I said, "Great!" I said, "I just like the shape of it." Mm-hmm. At one point, I wish I hadn't picked it because it was so hard to drill to try and get holes into it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, "Why didn't I pick something else?" But that's what just—it just I liked the shape, and it was in the workshop for quite a while, just sat on a pole. I found a piece of 
plastic water pipe that fitted into the head. Mm-hmm. And I stood it up and looked at it and just thought, yeah, I'll do something like that one day. And then Norman Reynolds, the designer, said, look, we need a robot. And I went, okay, what sort of robot? He said, sort of a bounty hunter. I went, oh, okay. And that's where it started. And I thought, well, that's the head for it. That'll do. And then I got a longer piece of pipe, and I thought, well, that's how tall I want it, which was nearly eight foot. It was a bit wow. short of eight foot. But right. It was that sort of height. And then it was all built from that down. And then you chop the pipe off when you've got the legs. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how it was sort of created. And it was, I mean, a lot of people didn't like it when I did it, or when I was making it. But I didn't care, really. Right. You had, you, you had free fun. reign. You, had to, you can do whatever you want. It's not like you had someone else... Yeah. Uh, to disapprove and well, they went with it, right? One, one art director said, you wouldn't have a robot like that on my spaceship. I said, no, you wouldn't, but you would on mine. And he went, oh, I can't argue with you, really, can I? I said, not unless you can bring me in a spaceship with a robot on it. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what I said, you can't be wrong. With, with science fiction, you can't be wrong. Right. True. There is no reference point. If I want to make a robot that's a square box, nobody can tell me that's wrong because... That's what my robot is. Right. But that's that's how that came about. And the Bomar Monk, the spider robot. It yes. was done from just from talking and we want to say it a bit sinister and oh, got to be a spider and everybody's frightened of spiders. Right. And that's where it came from. And it was it used to drive the art department mad because <laughs> because of the toy link between Lucas and um, Kenner and I mean, I know there's lots of other toy companies. Yes. Everything had to be drawn. So they had to come down and scale everything from the mm-hmm. from the actual back to a drawing so that they could build the toys. <laughs> and they used to say, don't put so much stuff on. We've got to draw all this. <laughs> well, I remember, that. I remember some of the early toy runs, the characters. I mean, all the cool stuff you put on, like, on IG-88... The, a lot of the old back in the you know when they first started making the smaller characters, the molds weren't quite as uh, detailed either as nowadays. Right. So no. I can imagine somebody getting, you know, the drawing from the art department of IG eighty eight and them saying, "I got to make a mold for this." Right. Yeah, I, I must have given terrible headaches. But then yeah. they're probably stumped at the bandolier. It's like, where do I go from here? That's it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that was all done really almost sort of jokey. You know, well if it's a if it's a it's a bounty hunter. It's got to have a bandolier. You've got to carry extra weapons. You've got to agreed. You know, and and of course, it, it fascinates me now that you've got all this stuff that's read into it now about different weapons that were built into it that now didn't work, and so it had to grab a gun. And I, and mm. I just think that's fascinating that somebody sat down and actually thought about that and thought, oh well, it must have had that because that didn't work. You know, and I, th- I just think it's fascinating. I think it's wonderful that people can be bothered to do it. You know, it's um, it's quite an honor. Oh yeah, it's it's an amazing build, and it's a character that actually can probably hold its own today if it was in a sci-fi movie. It's just, you know, it I, back I in its time. I mean, that that's just you know, very so, very out of the box thinking than what you normally saw. I'm, I'm even going back in the eighties. We're talking like Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica to me did not look. I, you know, no. that looked kind of fake. And it, the, the worst part about like some of those early eighties, late seventies shows was the fact that you had had. Episode, you had had a new hope out. You had had you know stuff like Space nineteen ninety nine or Star Trek or or two thousand and one a Space Odyssey, and that's like sixty something, and that movie still looks real. Yeah. So to have a bad looking effect or prop to me in nineteen like eighty one, that's yeah. just you just don't want to spend the money 
and don't want to give people the rain, the free rain they need. Right. I mean, IG eighty eight. I think that's taller than Vader. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. he's a, he's, a st- he's a scene stealer. Vader is six feet. Yeah. And IG was eight. So yes. But you look at the original. You look at the original. Like you said, Battlestar. You look at the original Cylons, and man, man they just nah. They look like an old robot from Doctor Who. Right. I'm sure Bill. Yeah, you, Bill, you can attest that when they did that scene in Empire where they were on the uh, Star Destroyer with with, with uh, Vader and all the other bounty hunters, that the fact that IG-80 was so tall, he had to be on a lower step, and everyone That's else right. everyone else was on a higher platform, yeah. even Vader, yeah. to even everyone out to yeah. get to get him oh, the shot. Right. Otherwise, his head wouldn't be in there, right, Bill? That's right. Yeah. yeah. They when the effects came over and they said. We've got to cut its legs off. I said, I'll cut your bloody legs <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have felt the same way. Floor. I said, put it through the floor. And I went, oh, actually, we could take it back a little bit. I said, well, yeah, do it. I said, don't start cutting it about. And they did. They dropped it. It was down about oh, about a foot or over a foot. So Because otherwise, if they panned the camera up to get IG-88 in, everybody else would torso those shots. They would just cross right. their breasts and, and they were seeing off the set. So right. they had to take him down so they could bring the camera up a little bit and get everybody in which was nice it was uh, I mean I've, I've spoken to people that will swear blind that IG-88 moves its arms mm-hmm. and its head yes its head moved a little bit right tiny movement its arms you could move but they didn't move in that shot but people were so caught up in that moment I think that they believed it was moving right and that's right. That means you've done your job. Absolutely. There's yeah. a, there, there have been a long debate that they didn't know that was a prop. They thought there was someone in that costume. I did, too. I, for years, yeah. I did. I didn't think yeah. it was static at all. Mm. It's it's the thing I've been asked, was you inside it? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, you couldn't have got inside it. I mean, I had a, I had a car gearbox in there. I mean, mm. the gear's taken out of it, but the actual shell of a gearbox in there. Mm-hmm. Is, that his che- is that his chest? Like the chest plate. The chest plate? But yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, there's lots of real. There's, there's a few, a couple of bits that were added. The pieces on the shoulder came from other robots. They <laughs> they were fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit on the breast, but very little came from from was made to fit it. Most of it was stuff I found that I didn't care how heavy it was. So I just put it on there. If it didn't fall over, that was fine. That was good enough. That'd stay on there. Right. Because. There's something. I mean, you'd never pick it up on your own. The minimum was two people to actually lift lift it up. Oh, I'm sure. And if you wanted to carry it any length, you'd need four people to move it. It was so heavy. So once it was placed, they just had to place all the artists around it because it wasn't going to move again. (laughs) No, that was where it was. But it's the uh, there was. I mean, I used to break bits deliberately on it to make it look broken, so it had been repaired and. You know, because that's how I thought it should be. Right. And people right. at the time were more used to C-3PO and R2-D2, which were quite smooth droids, and they'd just age them down with wax and things to make them look dirty. On that, I used to, because I did the original paint on it, mm-hmm. and I would just fire a, a aerosol can into it so it all ran out. And then I'd wipe it, and, and that's how it built up, and it just built up over weeks, the paint on right. it. Well, all, these, all these parts you're talking about, we we call them today. We call them greebles, and that yeah. really originated from Star Wars uh, props. So it's safe to say you invented the greebles. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They, so. Even then, they were they were greebles or greeblies. Yes, um, we used the term on Alien as well. Oh, did that you? Was, okay, you know, they'd say 
you know, they'd say, I'll get the prop makers over the groove, leave this wall up, which meant make it look real. And mm. you know, so that was sort of a, it was a film terminology then that was used. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah I and thought... in our prop room on Alien, we had a helicopter in there that we were stripping down and bits of cars and oh anything we could get hold of to strip down mm-hmm. to just find interesting shapes and things. So I suppose I took that on too when I did Empire. Yeah. That's the, the sort of more the realism of Alien. Right. I took on to Empire to, to use on Empire as well. Not really intentionally, but if something's in your head, it's in your head, isn't it? You can't sure. um, Right, and the little details like that just makes it more believable as opposed to like, yeah. oh, that's a guy in a suit with a rubber mask, you know, so. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Um, some of the characters, you you almost, not embarrassed by, but you went, oh, that was a afterthought. Mm-hmm. But as long as the mass of it was right, it was okay. I mean, if I found a hole in something, I'd put something in there, I'd find, you know, I'd fill it with something, or... If there was a hose, a lot of the time people would run them into nothing, but I'd find somewhere for them to go, because then people believe it when they're looking at it. It doesn't matter what it's filmed, it, it's it's real, so it's real. It, mm-hmm. it just made things more real. And we did the same on Alien, where instead of just running a, a hose along a wall, you'd find a place for it to go, so you'd have a junction box and mm-hmm. things like that, because even though people don't really look at the background, they do because it's there. If it doesn't look right, you don't know why it doesn't look right, but it's because it's too too clean. It's too... I mean, certainly... It, but, I mean, on Alien, the medical... medical room mm-hmm. was quite clean, but it was busy as well. There was lots of stuff in there, but it was painted white. So you believed it more, rather than just a flat panel, um, which... If somebody wanted that, you could have done it, but... On that, we were given quite a lot of free range to do things, which was nice, because it was all new for the art department as well, wasn't it? It was, um, and I'd say the art department were good. They'd, they'd get in with us stripping things down and finding bits, and I mean, Roger Christian and, and Les Dilly were, were good friends then. They were, you know, we'd, we'd play. We'd play together, and you'd turn something inside out, and they'd go, oh, that's perfect, right, we'll use that, we'll go off and do that. So... You worked off each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Very good. Is there a uh, certain creation that you made that you kind of like look back to this day like I really do like that and it's your pretty, crowning glory. It's pretty spot on. Um, I, I but well, the thing that I, I made very simply that I quite liked was the coat hanger on Raiders. Now you'll probably say what coat hanger? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Refresh our memories. Right. The coat hanger in the, in the tent. <coughs> when we're in the tent. <coughs> excuse me. The SAS officer comes in, mm-hmm. and you see him with something in his hands. It's actually a fold-up coat hanger, but it's made to look like nunchucks or a torture device. Really. And <laughs> it was one of those things that you made. It was very simple, but um, but it just worked. Frank Marshall, who was the producer on it. He took the idea back to the States and they produced it as a as an executive toy. Interesting. Wow. But that was yeah, I quite enjoyed doing that. That was just fun. That was fun to do. Um IJ88 is always what people ask about. And that was fun to do as well. That was that was really that was good fun because it was like a big sculpture doing that. It was 
it was quite fun. But I'm not. I mean, I'm not arty. I'm just creative, practical. <laughs> yeah, just practical. Just do it. Yeah. But I think that's what um, gives your work such a great lifelike feel to it. Is that you're not arty, but you look at something and say, okay, this hose should be going somewhere useful or somewhere that yeah. makes some sort of sense. Where other people yeah. would just, you know, leave it hanging somewhere. Right. Producers would be like, it won't be in the shot, don't worry about it. And you're like, no, it, I need to complete Somebody, this. Somebody's going to see it. Right. Yeah. The thing is with, with filming is the way I've always worked is that people will say, well, I can only ever see one side of something. And I go, well, that camera's quite light. They can move it quite easily. And if you're not there and they put it at the back of something and it looks wrong, then you've, you've lost what you was achieving. So on IG-88, the back of it was as complicated as the front wow. because you just wow. never know. Right. I mean, they might have done a shot with Darth Vader walking around IG-88. You, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, right. I mean, so, if they decided to change something. Yeah, if you, if you do it, it's, it's done, isn't it? You've only got to do it once. Make sure you're happy with it. It, it, it can be seen at 360. And it's done. Exactly. It's, I mean, silly things like if we had to, if I had to screw something to the wall or on IJTA, I'd always fill the screw head in so that people wouldn't recognise it as screw it. It'd just be a dome or. Mm -hmm. Because that to me, sometimes I look at other films and I'll go, oh, well, you can see where they screwed that on the wall or. And it's, it takes you out of that moment. And you should be in the moment, you should be there enjoying it. And if something like a silly screw head takes you out of it, that's that's silly because it's so easy to rectify. Right. You can soon put right. something over it to lose it. And um, we had a thing with a, a gas mask for when uh, the Millennium Falcon goes into where the minor birds are in yes. the, the right. um, meteor and that. And I built this little gas unit, little air unit, and the the art director Mike Ford said oh we don't see the joint and I said well why wouldn't it have a joint mm -hmm. <laughs> and he went oh well, I, I don't know do you think what do you think Billy do you think that we should do we should fill it or I said no no I'll tell you what we'll do and I put a pinstripe each side of it and made it a bigger joint oh okay I oh, said okay. now they know what it's for it's for joining it together huh. and he went oh yeah yes that's it okay that's perfect you don't ever see them on the film they're stuck on the belt under their jackets. You can't see them. Yeah. But well, in case they did, them, right. it'd have been right. Mm -hmm. All you see is the clear plastic bit going up to the face mask. That's all you actually see. Um, and that's where the Minot birds were used. And they said, well, they can't be flown. They're too heavy. And I said, well, we'll make some lightweight ones. So you, you, you make them out of cardboard because if something flashes in front of the camera mm -hmm. and then you see a minor bird on the screen, that was the bird that flew in and you don't question the bit that flew in front of the screen. So I made up just a couple of wings that they could fly through and that was that was enough just to give people that, oh, what was that flying? And you know, it's it's so things like that you, you know you don't have to complete because you make sure it's never seen. You just use a part of it to give a blackout of the screen. I see. Now, see, now that now that Bill said that, every time I see something flash in front of the screen, I'm going to back it up and <laughs> overanalyze it. <laughs> well, that's the problem now. You see, you can run back and have a look. That's true. Back then, <laughs> that's the true. You couldn't. It'd just be a, a shape that moved, or you know, and that, and that again go. I suppose goes back to horror, doesn't it? The, it's not what you see; it's the shapes and 
things in corners that you think you've seen. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, hope that's what... and like you said, it makes it believable. Even with yeah. the minor details on it. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um, that's, I, I, I enjoyed all the sets on Empire and Jedi that were in the studio. I did my, most... In fact, I can't, no, I didn't do any locations on it at all. Because I was due to go out to Norway on it, and Norman said, no, 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 I need you back here. So that was my trip, kiboshed. That was, uh, he said, no, no, that's easy. That, that's all done out there. You can't, you can't improve anything out there. But we sent out lots of stuff, guns and things. But I think at the time, I, I used to throw things on the floor to dent them and scratch them and... Because that's what soldiers do. Right, make, yeah. soldiers make a battle damage. Put things nicely. They take right. things up and they. I, that's a job I, I would sign up for. Here, take all these things and throw them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Scratch them, bash them. <laughs> make, make, them use, make them well used, right? Yeah, make them well used, and, and then people will believe them. It's it's also with with an actor. If he gets a pristine thing, he, he treats it differently. He'll he'll. He'll hold it away from his body. He'll make sure he doesn't scratch it. But if it's already scratched, he thinks, oh, that's all right. I'll just throw that over his shoulder or drag it across the floor. or You know, you just make things real for, for the actors and it makes everything easy then. Mm -hmm. uh, and plus, it's if you dent and scratch everything, you can't be wrong, can you? Because if you do dent something you don't mean to, you can say you did mean to. That's and true. That's true. It, I was going to know. You have a few holes. Right. Right. Well, we talked about the creatures that you you created and uh, bounty hunter. Um, can we talk a little bit about the vehicles that you that you made? Uh, one might be in question. You had a little bit of to do with the Millennium Falcon, Johnny's favorite. Yeah, um, we really Falcon. All we were doing was rebuilding it from the first film. Um, the rear engines, if you look, are slightly different when you look at them because they've got a few more pipes in there and a okay. few bits in there. We we basically you polished it up then, didn't? You? Yeah, we polished up the old Millennium Falcon. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that down as as. Right. Not. I didn't put you down as a creator, but you already had the blueprints. You just kind of dressed it up yeah. a little better. We just went up there. All right. I'll tell you about it. it. It was bloody cold when we were doing it. We were in an unheated stage, and they used to have to bring up soup every three hours to keep us warm. <laughs> oh, oh no! no. Wow. It's not a pleasant job. <laughs> but it was. But it. It was sort of nice, but when I first saw the Millennium Falcon, I went, "Oh yeah, that's, that looks great." Mm -hmm. I mean, so you added a few little bits, and because it's like anything, you can always improve something. Right. But the original concept is where it's at, really. Yes. But you yes can always yeah. improve on it. And well, we went up just really to put it back together and improve on it, and it was nice to do. But it wasn't until I actually watched the film that I thought, "Oh yeah, that's a really important part of this film, isn't it?" Because you'd only read bits of the script. Right. Mm -hmm. Read bits that are important, and I thought one day I thought I've got to sit down and read all this. I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and you did it, so you got a, an idea. And then I watched the film, and I thought, oh yeah, oh, that's quite important. Well, we better do a good right. job on this. I did that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> you know, the nice thing with the with the Falcon though is you can make changes from movie to movie because Han Solo's oh, yeah. character always talks about adding this or changing that. So it's perfectly well, natural. Thing, isn't he? He's always yeah. up there doing something. And so you, it, there's never a continuity problem. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just build the, the cockpit of what we called at the time uh, the Snowwalkers, which became the Atats, didn't they? The ATATs. Mm -hmm. Right. I was, um, that was my next question to ask you. And I was given this tiny bit of celluloid film, which 
I was given the cheapest viewer you could imagine. <laughs> we used to sell them at the seaside here. They were red with a white end on them. Okay. You could put a photo in and you could look through it, look into a light, and you could see your like photo. Like a viewfinder, right? Yeah. So viewmaster. We call it viewmaster back then. Well, no, it was it was to view slides. View slides, okay. Yeah. 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 So but this thing you could buy for, I would guess back then, probably half a dollar. They were They were throwaway stuff. And I was brought this with this one bit of celluloid in it. And I looked at it and I went, right, okay. So I've got this great assortment of props. So I get them all together, right, fix them all in place. Took me all day and a massive headache because you're looking down this viewer. And mm-hmm. and one of the guys that worked on the first one came up and he went, that's wrong. I said, it's not going to be 100% right. I said, look, I'm looking at it. And he went, yeah, not only that, he said the celluloids ran the wrong way. No. <laughs> oh, no. So that was another late night. So I'm sure it was. Back, but, yeah, so, but silly things like that, you just did them. You went, well, it's no good having a row. Might as well just do it. Mm-hmm. And when I said to the art department, I said, who put the celluloid in? It's ran the wrong way. There was nobody in the whole world who put that in there. That was magic. That had just gone in by pure magic. <laughs> no, no one wanted to own up to that one. They wanted a job. <laughs> but then, you know, that was sort of silly things like that. So I did that. That was quite, that was quite fun. Um, he was forever mending things on the X-Wings and the speeders. And um, I was very involved with the, the um, scooters, you know, the... Uh, oh, the, the speeders, the speeder bikes? Yeah. In Return of the Jedi, the speeder bikes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because um, if you look on them, the handlebars aren't perfect. They don't—they're not actually left and right. They're completely different to each other. If you look at them, they're—they um, were just made up from bits of landing gear and things from aircraft. <laughs> and the foot pieces were parts of landing gear that then the effect said, "I oh, will weld a bar around it," so they put the boot into it. And so they were—they were sort of hotchpotch together. Yes. And we put bits in, like rods underneath, to make them look like things operated, and you know. But that was quite that was quite fun to do. Right. They, were, they were quite fun. To I do. remember talking to Corey D. Williams in when he was on the set of Return of the Jedi in Arizona when they were filming yeah, over in, over in the saying. states here. He said yeah. parts of those parts were um, they came from uh, was a snowmobile or not an ATV parts? Yeah, something or like car that. parts. Yeah. They just like you said, anything you can grab and yeah, stick on there and make yeah. it look make it look motorized. Is what yeah. they did. Yeah, I think Corey and I think Mike both told us stories about different pieces of equipment from different movies that were like that mm-hmm. which make yeah. i think really makes the makes it look as good as it does because well, it's, it's parts it's, that are somewhat recognizable yeah you can take bits and turn them upside down and people go well, i don't know what it is but then <laughs> yeah. you show them it the right way they go oh that's off of the crane or that you go, yeah and you yeah. turn it back over and you put it back on and you know so things like that i mean a couple of effects boys used to say don't park near Bill's workshop, he'll strip your car. He'll have something <laughs> <laughs> um, But it was just, it was fun. I mean, I'd be walking around the studio and I'd see something laying on the floor and I'd pick it up. And I'd think, oh, I'll use that at some point. And you did. You'd always find something you could use it for. And you, you wouldn't know what you were going to use it for. I mean, I, my workshop had bits of engineering in there, had toys in there. You'd, you'd pull toys apart. I mean, all the, the arms on FX7 were all part of a, a toy, and I can't tell you what the toy was. Oh, really? FX7 is the medical board, droid. It has all those little arms that came out. Whole, yeah, a whole yes. range of, mm-hmm. of plastic toys. Oh, really? And I just took them all apart and laid them out, and that's what all those arms are. They're all out of a, all plastic toys. They were right. all they were quite lightweight, but they were quite strong. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure they couldn't be broken. Right. So, 
isn't it great to get paid for tinkering with stuff? It's like, <laughs> I, know, right? I, I could take apart this today, and I'm going to yeah. make something else with it. Yeah, that's so. exactly it. It was a fantastic well, job. Over here, we call it MacGyvering it from the, the TV show MacGyver. We call it, we, we, yeah. If we want to make something uh, something else, we call it MacGyvering it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I spoke to uh, John Morton, who played Dax in Empire. John Morton is uh, Samantha's favorite uh, actor over here. He's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a good, he's a friend I of ours. Yeah, I, I, I talk to him two or three times a year, only only on email, but okay. and um, I was just trying to think what I was saying to him. Uh, <laughs> no, it's gone now. That's okay. Maybe maybe um, no, Sam's got a story to tell you about John Morton. Maybe he'll come back to you when she's yeah. done. But it was, uh, what I was sort of saying to him was, how bad when someone gives you loads of money just to play, mm-hmm. you know, because. That's what you did. There wasn't. It's not like being an accountant where they say those figures don't add up. True. Do it all again. You could do what you wanted, and it was going to be right. So it was. It was great. It was really, really fun. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't fault the time at all. It was a wonderful time. Yeah. And it, it was playing. Um, I had a couple of friends, Alan Fling, in particular. Yes. He was. He worked in costume. Right. I was just asked one day. Can you just come in for a day and play an imperial officer? And he went, "Oh, oh all right." And he, he sort of he's lived on that for the rest of his life that he was in Empire as an, right, oh, sorry, in New Empire. Hope as, a, as an imperial officer. And you know, he, he said, "Where else can you do that in the world?" I said, well, "You can't." Yeah. I said, "It's you know, it's a it's a non-job job. You just do what you want and just have fun. Mm-hmm. And as long as that bit at the end works, then." clever people can sell it and I mean I say they've made a lot of money out of, of the, the first three and I've got to say good luck to them because uh, they had the foresight to do it I mean George Lucas in particular I mean I think he had quite a rough time on the first one with it with air crew really that all went this is rubbish you know, but he proved them all wrong and you, you've got to admire him for that oh, you know, absolutely. fantastic foresight or maybe it was just like the rest of us young blokes who went well, nobody's told me I can't do it so I'm going to do it I don't, I don't really know what his attitude was, <laughs> it was but it worked right I'm sure at the I'm time sure he, he was limited as far as what money what budget he had to make this movie and yeah. when he said this was going to be a uh, you know like a space western opera I think I'm sure at that time people thought he was just crazy was Empire the one he tried funding himself mostly and then Bank of America said, okay, we're cutting you off, and he ended up having to get some money from Fox for it? I thought it was just Fox until... The only, only just, films he filmed that. himself was the prequels. I just Everything read, else was helped. I read, one, was, I read one of these. He started off initially wanting to do it on his own. Okay. And then at some point he had asked them. Uh, but that, either way. Sure. That would sound about right. He would. Uh, I think his attitude was, well, nobody said we can't do it, so we'll do it. You know, it was that, that sort of attitude of, well, why can't we do it? But um, air industry changed at that sort of period. It was, before that period, it was a little bit stuffy. It was, um, well, it was collar and tie. You do it to work, you had a shirt and tie on. That was, you was expected to dress in a particular way. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit stuffy before then. And that, that period around there sort of opened it up a bit. I mean, I'm sure some of the old, Filmmakers must have seen us wading about in t-shirts and jeans and thought, you know, this is a band of gypsies we got here. What are they 
you know, I'm sure they looked at us and thought, these people can never make a film as long as they can draw breath. But right. it all worked out, didn't it? it all, um, you know, Lucas definitely proved them all wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, you've got to say more power to him. Right. I mean, if he hadn't done, if he hadn't stuck to his guns, well, we probably wouldn't be sitting here chatting, would we? No, because mm-hmm. uh, there wouldn't be anything to talk about. Unless, it, or unless we would be talking, but we'd be saying how bad it was. So, well, there, yeah. there is that. <laughs> <laughs> or we'd be talking about the Alien franchise. That's true. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, so um, well, I don't know, is there anything else you, you'd like to know, or? Um, yeah, we can. We can. Uh, I know it's late over there, Bill. But we appreciate you. Uh, you know, spending time to uh, talk with us, but we we're just curious what's going on with you right now. What have you been up to? I know you've been doing some uh, conventions over there. Um, how's yeah. it meeting your fans? How's how's that going with you? Oh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic to meet young people that are, are still interested in it. Um, I was in Brussels a day and a half before all the bombings happened. Right. In a convention out there. Um, it was a good convention. It was the first Brussels Comic Con. Oh, was it? Oh, wow. okay. Sorry? It was the first one they had there in Belgium? In Belgium? The first one they, they did as this group, Brussels Comic Oh, okay, the okay. group, okay. Um, the organisers need to learn a few lessons. They weren't too clever, but they got through it, so that was, you know, that was okay. Um, and it was fun. I mean, the, the people at the show were fantastic. There was a, a group there that are called the Twin Sons, which are... Okay. Or a Mandalorian Mercs uh, costume okay. group, and they made because that was the first time that all the bounty hunters had been together. A- apart from that's true. Chris, uh, Chris Parsons was there with you, who, who played yeah. for Lion. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, um, Alan Harris was there. Yes, he was. Steve Calcott was there because he stood in for Vader. And right. Mm-hmm. I was there for IJ eighty eight and Kathy Munro. That's right. Who played Zupas, uh, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's the first time everybody's been together. Was uh, Jeremy Bullock there as well for for Boba Fett? Yes, sorry, yeah, and Jeremy Bullock. Okay, oh, wow. so there was it was everybody. It was everyone. So yeah. It was everybody apart from oh, names gone right out of my head who died. Um, uh, oh, the guy who played recently. Dangar, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Dangar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm desperate trying to remember his name, but knowing him at the time, he's he was a he was a doorman, he was a bouncer. I don't know oh. if you call him in America, but someone who. Yeah. Throws the people out of clubs. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a bouncer. Bouncer, yeah. Yeah, a bouncer. That was sort of his job. And oh, okay. he did a few stunts. And so, you know, he was he was sort of quite amused that they wanted him to act and things. But, you know, he's become a character that people follow now, which is great. But I say, that was the first time they'd got everybody together to do it. And it just fascinated me that people were in total awe that this group was still together. You know, now... Kathy, I hadn't spoken to since then, really. Oh, really? Kathy Munro, who played Zookas. And purely because I had to mend their costumes. And, you know, so you'd say, Look, do you mind if I put. No, 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 you carry on, love, you can do that. And we've forever mended bits on the set. And, mm-hmm. But I hadn't really spoken to her since then. Yeah, I heard her twice. She's a very Jeremy. lovely woman. I hadn't spoken to Jeremy since then. Yeah. But he, he sort of came up and he said, Oh, right, it's you, is it? He said, Yes, I remember you. And we had a chat about, you know, doing silly things, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just, you know, it was just fun. But you had to do everything quite quick because it was a lot of money holding the camera up. But you yeah. just have fun doing it. Um, Kieran Shah was out there who played several. I think he's in the new one. He plays Tipo or something like that. Okay. He's uh, um, he's a uh, no, I've got this right. He's a midget, um, and his line was, "What trouble are you going to get me into this time?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, no, no. I behave now. I'm very old now. I behave myself. <laughs> 
Which was nice, because I hadn't spoken to Kieran for 15 or 16 years. Right. And it's nice though they remembered you from way back yeah. then on the sets. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. It was they remembered the silliness and the, you know, because, as I said, we've gone over it before. You have to have fun doing it. Right. Um, so now that's basically what I do. Um, when I've you... got a, May the 1st or May the 2nd, I've got a thing coming up in Burnley, which is the fun day, which will be quite fun. Yes. At the end of May, the 28th and 29th, I'm in Cologne doing a, a role-play con. Okay. Which um, I'm meeting up with a guy there, it's a guy called Simon Fleischhauer, and he's built a full-size IJ-8 out of plastic. Yes. I knew that name sounded familiar. I wanted, I wanted to tell you about that, or talk to you about that. Was he at Belgium, or you met him, he, you met him before, right? The first time I met him to talk to was uh, in Amsterdam. Okay, it was in I Amsterdam. Did a little show in Old Trick. Okay. And then I said to him, why don't you, you know, I speak to people and we'll get your model brought in. Yes. And, you know, you can talk about it and think, but he's quite a shy guy. Yeah. Um, but we did a little show, I did a little show in Mönchengladbach on about the 16th to 17th of December last year. And he brought it in. And it looks fantastic. Right. Um, to those, said, to those who don't know, is that he built a life size, a life scale of IG88, which yeah, I believe it took him two and a half years to make. Two and a half years, yeah. And, and wow. You saw it firsthand, so how, how did it look to you? It's it's fantastic. Is it's it? about six inches too tall. <laughs> <laughs> he scaled it off the toy. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Did you tell him to cut the legs? He's, he's a precision <laughs> engineer, so he scaled everything off the toy mm -hmm. wow is the and head motorized does the head move at all because i know it lights up by, from the pictures it i see lights up no it, again it's it's a bit like the original okay it, you can move it you can position it okay but it's not it's not a moving piece okay um but he said to me i want you to be you know fully critical so i said okay it's too tall <laughs> and he went all right i said it's too clean because it's obviously it's made like the toy. It's mm -hmm. made mm -hmm. everything's pure, everything's very clean, and and he said, right, I'll take it away and I'll rebuild it. I said, no, don't. I said, that's your IG88. Don't change a thing on it. That's how you see it. That's how it should be. And Simon's quite a short guy, mm -hmm. so him next to it, IG88 looks a bit ten foot tall. Oh, I bet. <laughs> he said to me, how how do you know it's too tall? I said, well, one purely by remembering the original. I said, but two, if you look at the picture of me with the original IG-88, I said, my shoulders come up to IG-88 shoulders. And he went, oh yeah, I said, on yours, the shoulders are taller. Mm -hmm. And he went, right, yeah, I can see that. I said, but don't change it. Mm -hmm. I said, it's fantastic. No, it definitely, it definitely is. Hold it, but it's such a fantastic piece of work. Yeah. Did he have you sign it? Because I would have had you sign it by bringing it in. Um, yeah, I signed the uh, the leg maybe panel for putting the batteries in. Oh, okay. So it's signed inside. Very good. I said, nice. I'll sign it with you. But he said, no, no, can you just sign it inside? I said, yeah, of course I can. And he managed to find an original afterburner. So he's got an original oh. afterburner, which is the actual head. Okay. Wow. Said, I thought I might have been fabricated. So that's an actual. It's yeah. Wow. He's got. He bought the actual piece, brand new, never been used. Wow. <laughs> but he's such a perfectionist. Because I said, no, it's perfect. He said, well, no, it isn't. He said, your one had a hole here and three holes there. This one hasn't. And I went, well, don't try and drill it. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I don't know what to do with it. I said, make a lamp out of it. 
I said, put a light inside it and just use it as a feature. Just he went, oh yeah, that'd be a good idea. I'll do that. But he's, I'm meeting him in Cologne at the end of May. Okay. They're going to do a little workshop. To, oh, awesome! You know, very good. Cool. Which would be quite fun, I think. That'd be uh, yeah. Good. And then the next thing that I'm actually booked for is Dortmund in August, which apparently is quite a big show. I don't know. It's um, I've had a few people email me to say, "Are you still going?" I said, "Yeah, as far as I know." Um, and there's a few things that people have, r- have rung me and said, you know, would you be available in July to do um, a thing at the NEC? And, you know, so I said, well, yeah, I will be. Um, okay. But nothing's been confirmed yet. But, yeah. would, you ever, but would you ever consider coming to the States if you were uh, asked to come over here? Oh, yeah, no, I'd love to come to the States, yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll um, be looking forward to that. Friend, I've got a friend who, he lives about four miles away. And he's been a fan of Star Wars since he was six years old, I think. Okay. And we've sort of met up, and he, he's absolutely in awe. And I said, look, all I am is an old boy who did a job a few years ago. I said, don't be in awe. <laughs> he looks after me, because I've, I've got a few things wrong with me now. I mean, I had a transplant in 1972, kidney transplant. So that sort of knocks the cods out of you after a while, mm-hmm. and all the medication. Yeah, sorry um, to hear that. And he looks after me. Um, and he's got family in L.A. Okay. So he said, October time, why don't we go out to the States? He said, we can stay with my family, you can visit, I've got mate Dave Watkins, who has is called uh, Effects Utilities or something, in L.A. Okay. Um, Dave Watkins, and he worked on... The first three Star Wars, you know, the Hope, Empire, and Jedi, and we've stayed mates ever since. Just but he's been out of the states for a little while now, so I'll be, be over in sort okay. of October time, I think, just having a bit of a tour around, just have a look. Oh, I've never been to the states. So, oh, you uh, haven't? Huh? No, no, I never made it out there. Um, I was offered to come and work out there, fun enough, by Rick Baker. Um, oh, okay. And I met Werewolf. I helped him out on a few of his mechanics. Um, and he said, look, come out to the States for six months, he said, and see if you like it, and I'll pay for everything. And That's not enticing. My wife said, no, I'm, I'm a home girl, I want to stay here. So, oh. yeah, okay. so I stayed here. Otherwise, I might have been out there now. But uh, yeah. such is life. That's, uh, you're where you are, and that's where you should be. Right. But, um, no, I'd like to come, so i say October time I'll be out. Um, America still baffles me in size. Because I said to Ian, I said, well, when we're in L.A., couldn't we fly up to see Dave Beavis, who's in California? He said, yeah, you could, but it's a bloody long way. <laughs> and I went, oh, is it? Oh, right, okay. So he said, no, no, we do L.A. and bits like that. Yeah. Uh, I said, and then perhaps next year you can come back out and do um, South Carolina and North Carolina and mm-hmm. go out and see them up there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, my best mate lives in Australia. Oh, wow. I only see his bit of Australia, you know, and I'll say to him, can we drive out to Perth? And they say, well, you could, but it's going to take you four days. I went, oh, is it? Oh, right. <laughs> the scale of it just... But it, know, looks, it looks so close on the map, off. right? <laughs> yeah, and obviously the States is the same. It just baffles me. I think, yeah. how can a country be that big? Because if I go 80 miles in either direction, I end up with my feet wet in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, so it's a bit baffling for me. So he said, well, you've got to come out and, and see... Um, I'm just trying to think who, who contact. Oh, uh, Aggie Rogers, who was costume on Jedi. Okay. Um, she's just got a film coming out. 
think it's sort of now, um, which is called Young. And her son, who was a baby when we did Jedi, okay. is the operator on it. And we just happened to talk on email, oh, which cool. was quite nice. And she's, she's San Francisco, so she said, if you're out, okay. call in. Yeah, which you, is nice, because that's 30 odd years ago. Yeah, you could but do a West Coast trip and just stay in California and then do the North Carolina another tour, really. Yeah. 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 And that's that's basically what Ian said. He said, if you try and do too much, you'll end up doing nothing. Yeah, yeah he and, said, so do and that you won't come back. <laughs> and, then, and it's like, uh, I mean, because Chicago's Illinois, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Now, We're stuck in the middle, more or less. It's, yeah, it, it, that's what Ian said. He said Surrounded by corn. In the middle. Said, <laughs> so if you want to do that area, you'll have to do that another time. You'll have to go out and do the the middle of America. Right. I said, oh, yeah, I said, well, it's just fascinating. It's, and it's, it's lovely that, you know, the sort of Star Wars thing is almost, uh, opens doors for you. People go, oh, did you, oh, we'd like to meet you. And you think, well, like yourselves, you know. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's, there's more fans there. like 60, us that are dying to know. i two-year-old man who's uh, had to do a film a few years ago, but you're interested in it. And that, to me, is fantastic. But you're, you're interested in it. It's, you know, it's wonderful. It's you know such a good thing. So um, yeah, all right, Bill. Um, have fun at your uh, next con over there yeah, at, uh, sure. at the fun f- the fan day, which is pretty neat. That's the one I was telling you about yeah. that they do the de- they did they do dinners with the stars mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it's going yeah. to have more fun more fans like us asking you probably the same questions we did. So yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But but you're welcome anytime to to ring and you know. Thank you. If, I say, if I ever make it out your way, I'll I'll give you a call. Yes, well, yes oh, sounds great. Yeah. We'll, de- we'll definitely come uh, visit you if you decide to do a con out here in the state. For sure, we love you to traipse across our country. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's uh, well. So I think we were talking about Billy Connolly. I think he's doing a a rail journey at the moment, but I can't tell you where he's going to or what he's doing. I've just seen bits right. of it on the telly, but uh, hmm. you know. It's uh, it might not even be shown in the states. It's probably something for for us to to look at. For you, it'll be yeah. We know that train. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. all right, Bill. Well, thank you for taking the time with us. I know it's late over there in the UK oh, and oh. all, but uh, it was awesome learning things that we didn't even know that you did. And it's yeah. nice, it's nice to get get that out there. Uh, the, you know, um, the work that you did, and you know how much it, us fans we appreciate it. It's just the little things like that that sh- that basically made the movie. You know. You know, it's not just the actors; it's it's everything else that uh, doesn't really get the limelight that uh, we like to you know talk about and mm-hmm. give credit where credit is due. For sure. So, yeah. uh, thanks again, Bill, for your time. And uh, very kind of you to say. Yeah. It's, uh, lovely. So, yeah. have a nice night, Bill. We appreciate it. Oh, we'll do. Oh, uh, we appreciate Thank it. You so Thank much. you so much, Bill. More than welcome. All right. Take care.